joke about Alexa. Um, you know, we use her for a lot, but we don't quite trust her. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what many people are saying. I I bought actually my mom bought my dad one of those it wasn't an alexa it was a google home thing right. and he returned it right away so like, i don't want it yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's on, not mom. for everybody and i don't blame you know and because it was a little bit of a struggle but i the, 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 sometimes i think maybe uh i know that our 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 information is commodified but if it's out there for everybody to have, it lowers its value, right? That's a good point. So, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, people still can manipulate it and use it to ma manipulate people, and there's a lot of scary stuff that can be happening. But I'm just thinking, well, wait, but it's got to have lost some of its currency because so many people are sending you their cookies and taking a look at you, you know. <laughs> That's a really good point. I, I never thought about it like that. And that is, it's funny because that other book you see there, Influence, <laughs> I swear I did not put that there by, oh. you know. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's what you're reading, right? But it's so funny that you mention that because that's the principle of scarcity. Oh. Um, uh. Which he talks about in this book, uh, Dr. Cialdini. Um, there's seven levers of influence, he says. One of them is scarcity, so... Uh, the less available something is, the more valuable right. it is. And he's, yeah, he talks about how you can use that to your advantage to get um, compliance requests. He gives a lot of examples like advertising or uh, sales, you know, when people say, oh, you know, I don't know how long we'll have this product for, so you should right. buy it now. Limited time offer. Limited time, exclusive offer. But then yeah. they run that same ad saying that same thing for six months <laughs> yeah. or more. Yeah, <laughs> That's just, yeah. He gives, too, in the book defenses against it and how to know when it's being used against you, which I uh -huh. think was really interesting. I, I believe with scarcity, he was saying when people try to tell you that something's in limited supply you start to get feelings i feel it all the time like a fear of missing out and oh, you're like yeah. and you start to it starts to get a rise out of you and he said whenever you start to feel that stop and just think for a second use your um as danny kahneman says your uh, type two uh, yeah, I think it was like your type two uh, or your system two thinking, which is slow, deliberate, logical. Type one is fast, emotional, uh, super quick, reactive. And he, that's what he says in the book. Just slow it down and just think for a second. Do you actually need that dry cleaner or, right. <laughs> or like do you actually need that uh, like washer or what have you? Yeah, Cause yeah. That that's pervasive. I feel like throughout this whole my social media generation yeah. is just fear of missing out. Right. Like people see pictures and they say, "Oh, I God, I, I wish I was there. I want to be there." Something like that. Right. Well, I yeah. when I'm doing a book signing, I'll put usually put out about 
five copies of each book. Even though I've got a box here, and mm -hmm. I don't want people at the end of the line to think they're going to miss out, but mm -hmm. I do, you know, so I'll put more out as I need, but it's, I just think that if I were to stack up 20 books, 20 copies of each, I don't know, maybe it would be just fine, but there's a thing, I just have a feeling that it, it, they might just sit there. hundred percent. You are. Just, well, you're using the principle. Okay. Tom. <laughs> well, I just noticed things after, you know, I've doing, been doing it for about five years. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really cool. That, that makes me happy that this lever of influence works. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, which lever are you talking? You mean the, the scarcity, the scarcity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. And for those, sorry, uh, let me give a quick intro, Tom, because I've actually, I started. Um, my name is Chris. This is Cheetash. Uh, with me is local author Tom Carr. Tom, would you please uh, just give a brief introduction on yourself? Sure. Um, well, I have written, had three books published so far. Blood on the Mitten is the first one. Then my bad, and the third one is dark side of the mitten, and all of them are compilations of crimes or just dark historic, historical stories from Michigan's past or near past. And um, myself, I worked as a journalist. I was at the t record Traverse City Record Eagle for twenty five, I'm for about twenty years, and then I have done stuff for National Public Radio, uh, as well as freelancing after I left the Record Eagle. And about in 2015, I got a message from a friend of mine, two friends of mine, Ann Stanton and Heather Shaw, had, uh, and I had worked with Ann at the Record Eagle, and they were starting a publishing company with a third friend, who had, uh, he, he was Doug Weaver, and he had operated the publications end of the Kansas City Star and was moving up to Michigan anyway, up in Traverse City. So they asked me to uh, uh, write something for them, and so we kind of worked out what we would do, and I've always been interested in crime as well as history. And I tend to get more turned on, I guess, by the ones that are uh, in the past, in the, because it allows me to escape a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and to really kind of put myself into a frame of, of what Michigan, the world, and, and, and the people were like at that time. For people who don't know, Traverse City, we're talking northern Michigan. Yes. Northern Michigan up it's, by... Well, <laughs> with the hand. With our hands, yeah. It's in the, what do you call that... Between the pinky, it's in the crotch of the pinky. Would you call it that? I don't know. That's no. a good way to describe it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Leelanau, right? Leelanau Peninsula? Leelanau Peninsula is the pinky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's where the, there's a lighthouse, right? Old Mission. Is yep. It? There are, well, Old Mission is on the Old Mission Peninsula, which is actually between the pinky and the mainland. It's a little peninsula oh, okay. very thin peninsula there but very scenic and people a lot of wineries out there and stuff like that and wine uh and a lot of uh 
very pricey homes being built out there. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah. And it, Traverse City's at the base of that. Mm-hmm. It's a nice place. And it's fairly populated, right? Like 100,000 ish? No, no. Um, it is, it gets up to that. The general area gets up to that in like the summer. Okay. Uh, from what I've heard. But year round, you know, if you took um, the outlying counties, because Traverse City itself is like 14 or 15,000 without a lot of room to grow. Oh, wow. But it's spilled over into the townships and stuff like that. And so. So that's I'm just talking about Traverse City proper there because mm-hmm. it hasn't increased its boundaries or anything like that. So it's it's um, but the area itself is growing quite a bit. But mm-hmm. you know it's not like a you know it's not anywhere near like uh, Lansing or Grand Rapids or anything like that. Oh, okay, okay. And you had mentioned this uh, this newspaper. Traverse City Record Eagle, right. yeah. That's like the the main newspaper. Of yeah, City? that that is the main newspaper, and there's mm-hmm. still there. You know, newspapers have been struggling, but they're still putting out a good product, and they're still um, they're down to what uh, five days a week, I guess. Okay. Because they had expanded from six to seven when I first got there in like 1989 ish. Uh huh. Uh, and they were in the process of doing that, but then you know they had to dial back. Of course, uh, Craigslist killed a bunch of ad, uh, advertising revenue, you know, for the classified departments for them and papers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Plus the content, you know, it's like how do we get people to pay for the content? We can't, you know, they were putting it out for free for a while, but they're not making anything off the ads and blah blah blah. So it's just been a real struggle for newspapers to figure out how to keep going and. Uh, I think the Record Eagle is a much smaller staff, and they do not publish on, uh, you know, they'll do breaking news online, but they won't publish an actual paper on t- uh, Mondays and Tuesdays mm-hmm. anymore for the last, I don't know how many years. But wow. so, yeah, the, the, but it's like, you know, a lot of a lot of papers have done that, reduced the number of days they publish and just to keep keep going. Mm-hmm. And and we need them. We need newspapers. I like. Would you say, are there newspapers out there that have, like, their business has not decreased over these last few years with digital and stuff like that? Like, and I'm talking, yeah, maybe some New of York the Times. Ones. Yeah. Well, because I I subscribe to the New York Times. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to afford to subscribe to the newspaper edition of it. But I like subscribe the online, yeah, oh, okay. and I subscribe to the Detroit Free Press online, and um, but I we subscribe to the Record Eagle, and we have an online subscription. But I generally read that mm-hmm. in the newspaper edition because we still get that delivered. So okay, that's kind of a but. I mean, I it, it does make me sad because uh, not only did I work for newspapers, my dad worked for the Detroit News while I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I delivered the Detroit News around wow. Northville uh, when I in, in, back in the very early seventies, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, it's a it's been a big part of my family. Yeah, but I also think it's been a big part of the United States, and, and we need people out there keeping an eye on what's going on, mm-hmm. particularly with the people in power. Would you say is that kind of what inspired you to 
end up working for the newspaper in, in the Traverse City Eagle? Uh, well, I kind of originally thought I'd go into TV journalism. Okay. Yeah. And I was around people who were kind of snobbish about it. And it kind of, that kind of painted my image, which is kind of, you know, I shouldn't have been that impressionable, but, uh, but no, but I do enjoy, um, writing and I write, I enjoy writing on deadline and I enjoyed, uh, you know, all those years of, of chasing down the news. And the thing about, I think I, I you know, I, I ended up being glad that I went into print journalism because, uh, their standards are very high and I'm not saying that others aren't, but you know, I think across the board, I think they're, they're, you know, generally their standards are high and, um, they, um, uh, well, it's also the production aspect. I've done some radio work and I really, really enjoyed it. But as a freelancer, it's hard to make a go of that because there are so many more steps involved in producing a radio piece than there is in writing writing a newspaper story mm -hmm. you know i mean it's it's with that it's you interview you research you get the info you come back you write it mm -hmm. you rewrite it it's done mm -hmm. but all of the listening to the sound that you re and, and, and it's fascinating and i love it and i have very much respect but I would make a, like a similar amount for this radio piece as opposed to when I was, you know, for, as a freelancer, as opposed to a written piece, mm -hmm. just, a, just a print piece or online piece. And, and I'd get my money. And it would just be such a quicker thing. Because I'd been practicing it for years, too. So, so mm -hmm. part of, partially that was quick. I'd be a lot faster at radio if I did it full time ever. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, when when you were at the newspaper, I had read something online that you yourself did some investigative journalism. Yeah. And was it centered around things, like particular things that you've written about in your books, crimes and such? Well, one crime that I, I didn't really do much investigative on it, but I followed it along. And actually, I was, drove my editors a little bit nuts um, because I wanted to keep at it, and they want you know go on to other stuff. And it is in that book. It is in the first book, Blood on the Mitten, and it's in a it's in a chapter titled "A Convenient Confession." So that is the closest uh, I've been to any case in mm -hmm. that I covered it for years. Mm -hmm. Any case that I've put in my books, I mean. Okay. So. This was 1996, and it was a woman in Kalkaska, 68 years old, widowed, and she'd worked as a teacher's aide at the local schools. So she knew some kids, and somebody came by, and she she was you know known to be welcoming. Some kid came in, and and um, ended or young man, I'm sorry, but came in and excuse me, ended up. Um, you know, first uh, 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 um, beating her, molesting her, you know, and then wow. and they put her in the trunk of her own car. Jeez. And turned it on with the garage door closed. So she, so she ultimately died of asphyxiation. Uh -huh. Really horrible, wow. sad case. Um, but also DNA played a part in it because one young man confessed 
mm-hmm. but he made a false confession. But when it came out that the that the DNA did not match him and corroborated with the fact that he said I just I didn't really do it, they had invested a lot. You know, I think uh, had invested a lot in this case being apparently solved. Uh-huh. So they continued with him. They tried him. They convicted him. The jury convicted him, even though the DNA did not match him. But their theory was that he had an accomplice, and the accomplice left his DNA all over everything. But he left no DNA. Mm. But I've talked to experts, uh, crime scene experts, and they said that murder is such an intimate act. I mean, unless you're a sniper or something like that, you know. Yeah killing somebody from far you're going to leave some dna at the scene you yeah. know if you if you're strangling stabbing beating whatever yeah somebody you're going to leave your dna there wow and this particular guy but he didn't leave any and so so he was so anyway he ended up being he ended up going uh spending like uh, what would have been because 96 and then he it was 2013 i think when he finally uh got released but so that was uh about 17 years that's my quick math there yeah about 17 <laughs> years uh and um they uh in in prison now uh it's hard to make really him a cause celeb because he was he was a punk who was in trouble, but he wasn't a murderer. Mm. And he would have been in prison for a chunk of that time anyway because he had been he was eighteen having sex with his fifteen year old girlfriend. And so Jeez. he was he was, you know, con- at the same time serving time for that. Yeah. But Still, to be branded a murderer and to go through that for 17 years, which was, I think, longer than he would have served for the other. Uh, but anyway, because it was, because because he was when the Michigan, or when the Innocence Project I'm got familiar. a hold of the case. Yeah. And they, they had uh, um, lawyers and law students from U of M and University of Chicago working on it. And they got a judge. They put together a case and asked the judge to mandate that they uh, put the DNA evidence on the nationwide database. That's where they were dragging their feet for all those years. And I was I would mention that in a story every now and then. But, you know, anyway, like uh, but and, and even when I went to freelancing, I still covered it some for Interlock and Public Radio and, and others. Uh, as things would happen, but anyway, so it was it was interesting to see him finally, uh, you know, released and having the case, but mostly, you know, having having the real uh, killer finally nailed and found out, and he was a guy from uh, who had actually passed a lie detector test early on in the going. Wow. So anyway, that's a, yeah, that's the one that I most. Uh, that's the one that I know the best. I mean, that's the one that I that I uh, just wrote from what I had experienced for yeah. the most part, you know, and updated it and whatever. But the other ones were new to me, and I mean, as far as I, I finding out the details and mm-hmm. a lot of interesting cases that I've. Yeah, <laughs> with with this one that you were just describing, 
was this one that made national headlines? It did. It did make uh, statewide and national headlines as well. Wow. So, so it did get, uh, yeah. Because it was, you know, there were some elements in there that really, that, that, that made it unique and also, you know, kind of uh, really modern uh, because DNA evidence until I think sometime in the early 90s wasn't even uh, usable as oh, really? mean, it just hadn't advanced far enough to really be to really be of use from uh-huh. what I understand that I might be off on the time frame there but it uh-huh. wasn't that long ago did OJ change that because that I, that case was like 1996 wasn't or did 1994 they have, did they have they, they didn't are I don't know if I don't really know I'm sorry I can't say because I haven't looked into that enough but uh-huh. um but it also but John Norman Collins who killed uh, young co-eds in Ann Arbor and Ipsy back in 1969 uh-huh. and uh, but he um, he did kill like six I think it was in Michigan and one in California but originally they thought he was seven in Michigan and one in California but there was a uh, a young woman whose body was found near where he was leaving bodies, and so it was it was logical that they would think about that. But about thirty years after he was convicted of all of those, somebody said, "Well, this one just doesn't seem to fit." And it was a young woman by the name of Jane Mixer, who was a U of M student who had uh, gotten a ride from a stranger, supposedly back to her home in Muskegon. Mm-hmm. And she was found later dead, but she was also found shot. And Collins's victims were all strangled or stabbed. So somebody about 30 years later said, this doesn't fit. And so they did a DNA search, and they found another man who was the guy who killed her mm-hmm. about 35 years later, and, and, they, and, they, and they convicted him, which was wow. very good. Um, but yeah, that doesn't diminish uh, John Norman Collins's uh, <laughs> yeah terribleness at all. But yeah, wow, uh, yeah. But wow. it's cool that they got the you know they finally solved that that one mm-hmm. piece that just didn't quite fit. Yeah, R- reading reading through your book, I c- it's hard for me to imagine such like brutality. I guess you could call it in some of these very rural places that we have in Michigan, uh-huh. or like places that are not very populated, uh, places where it's, yeah, very rural, lots of land, not, not a lot of people. But there's a lot of those cases in your book. Yeah, I mean, it's, and 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 it become kind of a cliche, uh, whenever th- anything horrible happens up in my, my neck of the woods and, the, and and you watch it on TV and almost every time you're going to, um, they're going to interview somebody who said, says something along the lines of, well, this is why we left the big city to get away from this kind of stuff. Or somebody yeah. might say, you don't expect that sort of thing up here. But it's like, you know, but they say that every time something horrible happens up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it's yeah. just that I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because I think that is a, a, a misconception that a lot of people have that just because, uh, 
you know, there's fresh air and this, you know, there, there's still yeah. some awful things. Open spaces. And there's still yeah. people who are, you, you know, there's still bad people and there's or bad situations that lead to this or that or, um, so it's yeah, yeah. And, and 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 also I found that it, it, not only in uh, place but in time, uh, people have this image of things horrible things didn't happen maybe you know a hundred years ago and that's another thing that i talk about and it's like you know yeah that's there's always been you know bad people sick people whatever to do some awful things it's just that news didn't travel as fast and you might not hear about one that happened you know halfway around the world where now you will or even have you know on the other side of this country uh but yeah, um. that's true. You know, I've heard, I've read about like the Revolutionary War, Civil War, and I have this kind of, or before reading intently about it, I had this notion that, oh, this was a very nice war. Like it, you know, there was very primitive weapons, nothing, nobody really got hurt too bad. Yes, people died and stuff, but... I don't know. I mean, I have a Civil War book over there and a Revolutionary War book. I've watched documentaries, and no, it was just as brutal, if not more, oh, yeah. than modern warfare today um, because it was, I forget, oh, Jeremy Surrey was the guy who I was just listening to. He was saying how in the Civil War, it's all hand-to-hand combat, so you're looking people in the eye as you are doing doing your thing as you're right. killing them which is brutal and yeah half a million, that's true yeah half a million americans died in the civil war you know um worst worst uh war for us i think in terms of um lives lost compared to like the population at the time yeah he was saying in modern warfare it's a lot of it is bombs, missiles, drones, etc. It takes away that like mano y mano kind of feel right. for it and it it just it's changed a lot. Right. Um but you Well, right. and I think it also makes it yeah, it, it's almost you see a drone strike or something like that and it's almost like a video game. Mm. And so I think it kind of takes yeah, I think it takes the humanity out of it, which I think is is scary because you need to realize that you know, somebody's being killed here. Yeah. And, uh, um, but I think it, yeah, it's really fascinating to look into that, which you obviously have. And, uh, to think of not only the battlefield, but if you got injured, uh, and didn't get killed, right. You were almost worse. I mean, they didn't yeah. even know enough to sterilize their tools, you know, that they were in the surgical tent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, That's a good uh, point. and, 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 and also, like in the in the Revolutionary War, uh, yeah, where there was no photography yet and all that, I, I like you say, it always kind of seemed like, well, kind of a nice war, kind of a gentle war, I guess, you know. <laughs> but 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 can you imagine getting hit with a cannonball, which ha- yeah, and not dying? I mean, you'd still, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's 
it's crazy to think, um, and I'm glad now I have that perspective on it just from doing more deep dives into it. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think you, you were just saying it. There's, there's always been bad people. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I, I get, I still do get this sense of, I don't know what you would call it. Um, where I think times were so much simpler back then, yeah. which means like, and then I equate simpler with, you know, hunky dory and everything's right. like a good old time, but not really. I mean, and you, I mean, you give a ton right. of examples in your book of that. Um, the well, first... and I think anything also, I mean, I would, if I, I would love to do some time traveling, but it would, I'm sure it would be scary in a lot of ways, but it also would be much more scary for anybody who's not a white male. <laughs> I mean, I heard I, somebody, I, it might've been Roy Wood Jr., the comic or somebody like that. Oh, I'm familiar with him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pointed that out it's like you know time travel would not be a cool thing if if you're a member of a minority or a woman you know i think but even still i mean like what if you did get injured and then they take you to a hospital where they before you know before sterilization was practiced yeah or uh wow yeah (laughs) i think there are so many ways in which the world is so much better now but but yeah there are also so many forces that threaten to destroy us. I mean, so that didn't exist back then. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a really mixed bag. But, I mean, you know, the catastrophe has a has the, what, what do I want to say, has, has, has the ability, has the, the, the potential to be, you know, so much more def- devastating mm-hmm. now. Anyway, I guess maybe I'm getting off the top, <laughs> off topic. But. Well, I'd like this. In your introduction, you give some statistics on Michigan as a state uh-huh. and like the the crime rates. Uh-huh. Um, it seems like, and I I did a little bit of research on this. It seems like it's come down a little bit over, especially like as of recent times, um, COVID and what have you. Yeah, uh, but. I know that it used to be not so great. I mean, Detroit being one of those cities where lots of violent crime was happening. Um, but even Detroit, I think, has decreased yeah, a little oh, yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are other cities that usually get listed above them, and St. Louis is one I often see. I've heard that, Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta, I've seen, you know, listed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I think that Detroit has... Um, yeah, and this isn't. But my book really isn't about rates so much. I mean, right. I mentioned it like I said in the intro, but it's more about the stories that really kind of stand out for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to pick the stories that you did for your book? Because could you have included like so many more? Oh yeah, that, I mean that's yeah. how I've gotten two more books up yeah. so far. And I, I like I said, yeah. I'm and I'm working on another compilation book, but okay, I'm also working on a couple of books that are just single story books. I mean, not you know one case, one one crime or one criminal mm-hmm. in in the book. Okay, uh, and. 
so I'm working on three things right now. Uh, so I, I, it's time to, I, I think I've focused on the one, uh, but anyway, what was the question again? I kind of <laughs> took a detour, I, I think. I, I don't even know if I had a question. It was just oh, more just... open-ended. Um, oh, or no, it, how hard was it to pick? Oh, the, pick the stories. Yeah. 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 And well, the first one I I that I thought about things that stuck out in my mind. Yeah. And primarily that occurred during my lifetime, or that you know I'd known about because they were so um, amazingly horrible, like the excuse me, the Italian Hall disaster at Calumet in 1913, or the ba- uh, Bath school bombing in 1927. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so so then I started out with a list and I thought well I need to get it to a certain you know I need to add to it so I looked at some other you know I like looked at other people's lists and saw and I yeah, I would take you know something well that doesn't quite do it for me but this one is pretty fascinating and so you know there I, I, I think uh, in an old uh, free press list I think I got a couple of the cases mm-hmm. and that were, that turned out to be quite fascinating and stuff like that and then so that from then on it was doing like google searches on specific you know like 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 uh you know michigan crime or upper peninsula crime or this or that you know to um and uh to just fill it out so Mm -hmm. it wasn't a i didn't weed out much in the first one uh but then i've gotten people that have told me about them when i do signings and presentations and and uh they um so they, they 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 often tell me about a case that struck them, okay. and it's usually in the location or near the location where I'm speaking that particular time. So oh, okay. So yeah. I get a lot of uh, of story ideas that way. Mm-hmm. And on and on my next compilation book, uh, the the one the reason why I'm not ready to pitch that one just yet. Mm-hmm. Is that I've got a lot of good cases, but I don't have like the 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 linchpin cases. Like the the the, the I the I have I think one or... that, but I think I need two or three more that really stand out because otherwise it's like building a mall without a without a a, a, a target or something like <laughs> an that. An Apple you know? store, but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah. You, That's probably a dated reference, yeah. The oh, Target. Mall, yeah. No, building malls. Oh, mall, yeah. Um, <laughs> now they're just trying to keep them afloat. Yeah, that's so true. I went to uh, the mall over here. Uh, Twelve Oaks? Twelve Oaks. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it was busy, but not not like it was. Not like it. I, yeah. Everything yeah. seems to be online or... Uh, but I tell you what, those. I, I I heard this. Um, small book real, retailers do well right now, even with Amazon and stuff. Yeah. Well, they're bouncing back, and yeah. and 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 I think there was worry, and 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 you know, understandably so, back uh, maybe ten years ago or so, mm-hmm. when e-readers were getting popular. Oh, like a Nook and, or yeah, Kindle. Or a Kindle, and, yeah. And then and so people are downloading, and I still use my Kindle and I like uh-huh. it, but I also like to hold a book sometimes, you Absolutely. know, I mean, I, I yeah. like to take my Kindle with me and, you know, be, 
and also it's a cool way to to, to read some of the classics that I feel I should read. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, but there's nothing like holding a book in your hands. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have 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 felt that. And so I've yeah, I've, a lot of them went out of uh, out of uh, uh, business a few years ago. But but I've heard too, and I've read that those who survived that glitch are striving. That's good. A lot hear. of them are striving. That's so, really good I mean, hear. I hope that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe striving is a strong, but they're but they're doing mm-hmm. much better. So that's good. What um, did I say? Striving? That's striving. Not the, that's yeah. not the word I meant. Striving. Thriving, thriving. is thriving. what I meant. Sorry. I knew what yeah. you meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's why yeah, you, that's why you never go at the first draft. <laughs> Do you ever uh, have you ever looked into white collar crimes for a book well i um because i know you you have the one about um heists bank robberies mm-hmm. and i guess i guess that would be kind of white collarish. kind well not I, I but to be honest i don't i, I don't know what the definition of white yeah. collar is. Well, I think I, white collar crime is more like embezzlement or insider trading and stuff like that. Okay. And so it doesn't really have the, I mean, people get hurt from that stuff. Oh, yeah. No Bernie doubt. Madoff. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't quite have the, I don't know. It's a little drier of a story, I think. And so I haven't done a lot with that, although I do, do have uh, in my most recent book, Dark Side of the Mitten, which is subtitled uh, um, Powerful, no, Crimes of Power and Powerful Criminals in Michigan's Past and Present. Mm. And there was a guy in Traverse City who was bilking people out of money, and then he turned to actually robbing banks and stuff like that. Oh, and so, 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 I mean, there, there, there's that. And, and um, I have a... A chapter in there also about Jimmy Hoffa, but you know, kind of leading up to his disappearance because I, because I start by saying basically, people don't. Uh, a lot of people only know him as the guy who disappeared. Yeah. So I. That's so, how I know. And I'm not <laughs> yeah. not that it's a story that's never been told, but I told it my way, and you know, up to the point where he disappeared. But, um, and then. That's not, but I think that's a little bit not quite white collar crime. But then there's an, and then there's another one that might straddle it a little bit closely. Again, in my third book, which is um, about corruption in the state legislature, which led to murder in like 1947 or 48. Really? And it was yeah, they oh. they, they, they 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 a congressman or a state senator going home in the middle of January, a horrible day, and he was going down the, the, the highway. It was on a freeway, of course, at that time, but just a probably two-lane highway mm-hmm. between Lansing and Jackson to go home to his district. And uh-huh. and uh, somebody, you know, like, etched him off the road, came in the car and shot him to death. Jeez. And it was, they were looking into corruption and payoffs and, and, and mob ties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm among members of con uh, members of the state legislature oh, okay and he was scheduled to testify a little while after that and so probably 
they didn't want what he had to say to be heard. Wow. His name was Hooper. Senator Hooper, I believe. And this was in the 40s? Yeah. Wow. So he, he was going to testify regarding corruption in the state legislature. Yeah, yeah. And okay. he was killed on his way home to his Jeez. district. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know about this. Yeah. That's in my third book. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm sure there's tons of examples of yeah, oh, yeah. government corruption. Oh, yeah. In, in, but, I mean, it, I guess when they lead to murder, it makes it that much more, I guess, intrigue. Just in, in, in more intrigue, yeah, yeah. More, more interest in, uh, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, if you watch uh, one of the crime shows on TV, mm-hmm. they might have a... Well, they'll touch on on white collar crime, and I've seen, I've seen when they've done that, mm-hmm. but not without it also involving a murder. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I mean yeah. that's what, that's what. Yeah, makes it the you know I mean I guess it's you know that's the about the worst thing you can do. Yeah, but uh, well, I you're... say about because I'm not going to get into the philosophy of all this, you know, because there are worse things actually. I think, but anyway, go ahead. I, and no, you're right. Because I think about national stuff that makes national news. Uh-huh. There's always yeah there there's an element to there's an element to it that has murder okay. in it. Um, yeah. um, like we we had mentioned OJ, we had mentioned or I know we haven't mentioned yet, but um, Gabby Petito was something recently uh, a couple, a year or two ago. John Benet Ramsey, uh, Scott. Um, Scott Peterson, yeah, uh, Casey yeah. Anthony. Yep, those um, are the ones that really. Yeah, they all involve, yeah, death. Yeah, it's not a lot of like, even. Well, when... there's actually a saying, and I, I don't know if it's more. I I, I kind of associate it with um, with uh, TV news because mm-hmm. that's where I've heard it in the context, but it could also be with. Uh, but anyway, the, with 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 print, but the but the the saying is, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, that's I find that to be pretty true. Yeah. From what I've seen. Yeah, but yeah. so it's a it's a cynical way to look at it, but it is you know, <laughs> it it. They do have to get people reading the stuff, and that's what people. That's that's what if you put out a newspaper and uh, then, you know, a morning newspaper, and then go into uh, you know halfway through the morning, go into the coffee shop, mm-hmm. and and hear people talking about your stories. It's going to be those stories. Mm-hmm. They're not going to talk about the embezzlement. They're not going to yeah. talk about you know, and those things need to be covered. But it's yeah. I I found. Over these last couple years, maybe, maybe with the advent of cryptocurrency, like uh, we were talking about before we started recording, uh, there's been some highlights of that aspect of crime, especially with cryptocurrency, because now you have people starting to get scammed for lots of money. There's the big yeah. example right now is. Uh, what's happening with FTX, if you're familiar with that situation. No. Oh, it, it's a 
cryptocurrency, it was a cryptocurrency exchange and a, I believe a, a place where you can hold your cryptocurrency and they went bankrupt um, because I believe they were shuffling funds, other people's money into this other company to then place trades with other people's money that they Uh didn't have. They weren't like, you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) It's other people's money. (laughs) And that's been getting a lot of attention right now. Um, And, but it doesn't have a murder. That's the thing. (laughs) So maybe if, well, see now that's the thing is if you could take that as a fiction writer Mm -hmm. and you could throw a murder in there yeah, and then you could tell, and you could probably tell a bit about how, these scams work Mm -hmm. but it would be the murder that draws in the people to 100 percent to learn the other (laughs) well i didn't know this in one of your example uh stories in the book uh though i forget his name now the process it was the prosecutor for uh somebody who was convicted ended up writing a book a very famous book uh it was anatomy of a murder oh yeah yeah robert travers yeah and he was a former i didn't know that either he was a former supreme court justice or a former well, judge i i believe he was on the state supreme court oh or okay something. but he was a judge he was a prosecutor and then a judge and i don't remember exactly the the latter and where he where he ended up uh he might have been in the state supreme court or mm-hmm. but anyway um and uh, yeah, he wrote wrote that book, and there was a uh, tape place in, in and around Marquette, and it was they made a movie of it back in the fifties, and they filmed a bunch of it up in Marquette, and that was a really big deal. I mean, it's always you know pretty cool, glamorous thing to come to your town, but you know the UP doesn't get a lot of <laughs> that kind of attention, and yeah. so they. Uh, so they they really uh yeah that, that that's that's uh still a point of pride up there i think yeah was that movie like was it a big deal like i i saw you you said james stewart yeah james stewart and i don't remember who else might have been in it but yeah it was a it's a well known movie and i think you could you know i think you could probably find it you know on, on uh, streaming on, somewhere yeah, do your Fire TV thing. If yeah. you have it where you, where it'll tell you where you can find any movie mm-hmm. if it's available. Was James Stewart? Is that the same actor in? Um, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. I'm familiar. It's one of my. I really like that movie. Oh yeah. 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 That's a, that's an annual must see, <laughs> around our house. Yeah. What, what would you say is like your favorite? Uh, film uh, surrounding like this, like the genre that you write about in true crime, My murder mystery. True crime film. Huh, that's an interesting question. I'm going to have to think about that. Because I'll tell you mine. Okay. Um, if you would categorize it as this, is uh, JFK. Okay. Oliver you Stone. know, I haven't seen it. But I should. I really? should. I should. I should. Oh yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah. movie. Oh yeah. Oliver Stone. Ah. Oh. And there's so much now. I, I I was just listening to a podcast today on JFK. Yeah. Oh, there's so much stuff on that. 
so fascinating. Well, some of the my favorite books, uh, if I could go veer it that way. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm, absolutely. I need something to jog my memory on crime movies, but uh, on books, um, well, in Cold Blood by Truman Capote is just a, you know, gripper. I mean, it just rings every bit of mm-hmm. uh, terror and uh, and sadness out of that. You know, it's just a, and I guess it took a toll on him because it was mm-hmm. such a, you know, uh, such a, he immersed himself in it and got mm-hmm. to know the, the guys, the, the 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 murderers, and and the, and the and about the family. Of course, it was too late to get to know them. But uh, then also, um, Michigan Murders, which is a um, by uh, I think it's Edward Keys. It's like somebody Keys, and and that was about John Norman Collins' murders. Oh, okay. now they gave him a different name, and they and and so I guess there was a couple of things uh, that weren't entirely. You know, they changed the victim and the murderer's names, if I remember correctly. It was a long while, while mm-hmm. ago that I read it. Uh, but it still, you know, it was very good on giving the intrigue and, 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 and how the, about the case and how it unfolded and how the murderers, you know, unfolded onto the, uh, mm-hmm. on, onto the public and then, and then finally how it was solved. And uh, fascinating story, yeah. With within Cold Blood, did did you see the the movie Capote? I haven't. Robert Blake is in that, right? Oh, oh the movie Capote. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, there's a movie in Cold Blood too, but oh, uh, the movie okay. Capote. And I'm sorry. I there are times back. See, the thing is, I'm catching up with some of these. I didn't for I didn't. I wasn't always a big theater goer. Mm-hmm. When you had to see those in the theater, and then we, you know, and and I, I wasn't always a huge renter either, because mm-hmm. uh, I would like rent, you know, uh, a series like Sopranos because I think oh, it was HBO or something that like show. that. So I watched yeah. that on, you know, renting it originally, and then, yeah. and then uh, that's, and then with Breaking Bad, I watched it, uh, downloading it, you know, yeah. two ninety nine per episode. But I couldn't stop, so it'd be like you know, downloading from Amazon before I had like Fire TV and stuff, and so I so I downloaded like episode by episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, I, I yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman was played Capote. Yeah, Capote. I've seen clips, and he mm-hmm. yeah did a yeah. He's a cool actor. Yeah. Now they kind of just they kind of went into how it mm-hmm. kind of really took a mental toll on him right i believe so and to be honest i actually haven't seen the full thing okay um but i believe so yeah i think the film covers him writing that book in cold blood okay yeah i want to throw out another another really good crime book that i read was the zodiac one okay Um, i haven't read that um, I forget the author's name, but it was the basis because they made a Zodiac movie too, uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Jr. was in that one. The film was phenomenal too, yeah. really good. Oh, uh, I think David Fincher uh, directed that one. Really, really good. And the book was like a page turner. I mean, I couldn't put it down. Um, yeah. Do, do you think? With 
with true crime or stories on murder, are they better told uh, on pages or on the screen? I think that depends on the teller. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people that, you know, it depends on what their medium is. Uh, you know, a bad, a, a bad book writer could get a hold of it and a brilliant filmmaker could get a hold of it or mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah. Brilliant, you know, writer or a terrible filmmaker. So <laughs> I, you know, I, so it's, it's hard. I, it would be hard to make a generalization like that, but I did recently watch uh, the first episode of Dahmer on Netflix. Yeah. And it was very good, but, you know, disturbing, and but it should be, uh, you know, about how cops just, you know, had let, you know, victims uh, go ignored, and, you know, when they had warnings of this guy. How long ago was Dahmer? This was 80s. Okay. Yeah. Whereabouts? Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Yeah. And 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 so, I mean, that was really well done. But, you know, you have to have a strong constitution to, you know, because he was a messed up guy. And he was killing him in his apartment. And people were, and, and, and he cannibalized some of them. And people were uh, complaining about the smell and his apartment. And, and he's trying to make, uh, you know, excuses for that. It was just very, you know, just just intriguing, but in a horrible sort of way. So, yeah. but I, I I will watch more of it. I I haven't watched the entire series, but usually, uh, you know, later in the evening when I want to sit down and watch a little streaming, I'll 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 go with something like King of the Hill or Schitt's Creek or something. <laughs> good shows, <laughs> just to, <Yeah. laughs> to to get a good laugh or something. Yeah. I I was gonna ask you actually, like, is it tough writing about? This these subjects like do you, does it well, get hard? It de- some of them are so fascinating and so long ago that it doesn't you know. But I do, But there are disturbing parts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, and then and and like I've written uh, I've different angles in two of my books about the Oakland chi- uh, County child killer what case, was that one? and that was in the late seventies, early eighties. There were like four kids who would disappear and then found up you know, found dead and, and had been molested. And, uh, this was in Oakland County primarily. And, and, and they, um, so, I mean, that was, you know, within my memory, um, and it was, you know, involving children. And so, I mean, there are, there are certain ones that, I've written that I might take myself away from and work on something a little bit lighter for a bit and then come back to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like I have uh, nightmares or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> Actually, yeah. if uh, speaking of that, this is a tangent, but I did have, <laughs> I told you about my fondness for, you know, for, for, for fictional crime shows too and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Big Sopranos fan, but well, for, for like three nights in a row, I don't know what was going on in my mind at that time, but uh, three nights in a row, I had this, uh, a nightmare and it wasn't like a, you know, it was, it was a, the nightmare was that I owed Tony Soprano a favor and then I was waiting to hear what it was going to be. And it's like, Oh my God, you know? And, and so <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I've never gotten, I've never gotten, uh, uh, nightmares from, from, from 
the stuff I've written, even though that's true. But yeah, I guess when you're talking about the mob, it's a whole different. Uh, yeah. What's who's your favorite character from that show? Oh, uh, Polly Walnuts. Polly, okay. How about you? Yeah. Um, I like Silvio. Silvio's good. Yeah, my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's, I just like that he's very subtle, um, and he's kind of the right hand guy, and he just he's the support beam for that's Tony. That's true. That's true. But I, I guess I like, um, I like Polly's outrageousness. Yeah. I mean, and, and just his his quips, which I, you know. They're great. Yeah. They're funny. I won't repeat, but yeah. <laughs> Another, you know, uh, honorable mentions. Um, I really like uh, John Sacramoni, Johnny Sack. Oh, yeah. Yep. I like him a lot. Well, Christopher Moltisanti was a great character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was glad to see that later on he got a grant, an Emmy for it. But he, But he was so... What an awful guy. I know. Because <laughs> he was the one who would just, you know, like even with his, just on a whim, would kill somebody. Yeah. And Tony never did that. I mean, Tony at least had the, the you know, it's like, not like he was a great guy, but it always had something to do with business with him. Mm. But uh, some of these other guys, like like somebody pissed off, you know, Christopher, and he would shoot him. Yeah. Like, like, like even, even with his, uh, his, um, AA sponsor. Yeah. And he just... The uh, film just, uh, screenwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just out of the blue, shoots him in that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. Fascinating character, but mm-hmm. a horrible, horrible guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also really liked uh, Little Carmine. Carmine Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just because yeah. he was very silly. Yeah. Um, but he almost ran the family. Right, kind of. Well, what about yeah. in, the, in that one where where he and Christopher went to the uh, went to Hollywood and wanted to get those? Uh, oh, Ben Kingsley. Or, yeah, they were they were, were bugging <laughs> Ben Kingsley, and they wanted to get those bags of swag. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Carmine yeah. was silly. Um, I loved his little anecdotes, and he would purposefully like miss pronounce or misconstrue words oh right right um so silly right. and i think we got to discuss the white elephant in the room yeah, so, yeah 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 <laughs> stuff like that um, i'm trying to think of another example oh i have like 30 pictures under my subspecies oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just silly stuff like that i love that tv show oh, um yeah. There's another show that HBO did right around that same time, which I love too. It's called The Wire. Have you I've ever seen it? I've never seen that, but I actually should get HBO Max back so that I can watch that. Oh, phenomenal. A yeah. very quotable. Reminds me a lot of Sopranos too. Oh, phenomenal, phenomenal show. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned Breaking Bad. I mean, Breaking Bad was, I've heard good things. I've actually never seen it. Oh, okay. But. Yeah, I think you will like the the character of Jesse. Uh, and Well, it's just so fascinating. to. And you're not really even sure at any point in watching this, at least for me, that I liked Walter White. The main guy. 
the yeah. main guy. <laughs> but I empathized with him in certain areas, and it's like the fascinating, it was just the fascinating journey of this, uh, of this starts out being kind of a meek, you know, milk toast of a guy, and he ends up being the devil, as Jesse mm-hmm. calls him in, toward the end. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he just, uh, yeah, I, it's an, an it's an amazing transformation, and just the, yeah, Vince Gilligan, just what a wonderful job of weaving in and out that you know how he gets from from there to there, and all the things that happen, and the, you know just spends his life covering his tracks and. Mm-hmm you know, looking over his shoulder and all this, but he's just drunk on the power. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fascinating show. You, you wrote in your book a little bit about organized crime. You had yeah. one story in there on, was it the Purple Gang? Yeah. Is what they were called? Yeah. Um, yeah. When Was this like Prohibition days, kind of? Or before. Yeah, yeah, it was during Prohibition that they got really powerful, but also during the 20s, and I wrote more about this in my third book, that they um, also had, um, like there was a thing called the Cleaners Dyers War uh, in, in Detroit, and the cleaners and dyers, there were a whole bunch of industrial cleaning facilities. And they would... Um, well, they had a, 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 a um, you know, they, they, they were competing, so their prices were really low. They're, they they were, you know, just limping along because, and so they had to, some would call it collusion, you know, to get together and raise the prices and agree to raise the prices. So they're not, everybody trying to undercut everybody is not doing anybody any good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but the mob got involved in it and uh, they were, you know, mandating that, you know, this and that. And they all, well, they were getting involved in the unions and stuff too. But they, uh, uh, if the, if a cleaner dyer shop did not want to go along with them, they would resort to tactics like uh, they would leave maybe a, a a stick of dynamite just sitting there on the front stoop so that as they come in in the morning, that's going to greet them. I think they get the message. Wow. Another thing was they would set off stink bombs inside these facilities so that and it would permeate all the linens in the store so that they would be useless. They couldn't get that stink out. And so it would just destroy them financially because every piece of cloth in that entire building was now unusable. And so, yeah, so they did stuff like that and, 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 and you know, all to get their fingers into the pie of this, these, you know, the the cleaners and dyers businesses. But in... Were these businesses really, really popular back then? Like, yeah. Well, I guess uh, I don't know a ton about them, but there were a lot of them, and they would do like uniforms. They would oh, do. Gotcha. They would. Okay. They might do linens for a hotel. Uh, so it wasn't like you know you as. a you know, your household wouldn't take your, 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 your laundry there. Okay. I don't think you'd probably use one of those old washers with a ringer on it and all that. Uh, but, um, were they like automotive related as far as like the uniforms? 
uh, in the I don't know. They might have been. It mm-hmm. might have been like shops and stuff like that too. Yeah, where they're getting them greasy and they put on. Everybody's got the they they provide the coveralls and you put those on. Okay. That very well could be. That might have have had something to do with it as well. Okay. But I think yeah, though they were they were for a lot of different uh, uh, industrial uh, clients. Yeah. I didn't know. So the organized crime or like the mob had a like fairly big presence in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, they did in that. And then they, and they were also more flamboyant and you, you know, there were a lot, there were several headline murders and, and stuff uh, that occurred around that time. And that I do a thing about the Mel Flores uh, murder in there too. Uh, And so they, so they really, uh, yeah, they, you know, I didn't experience it, so I don't know. But, I mean, they did things that I don't think they would have done in later years because they were, like, like, like there was a, they were helping rig local elections and, you know, and getting involved in stuff and just, you know, they, they, they well, they had like a, uh, I'm sorry, I might have spoken on it, not so much elections, but they had like, they, 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 they had, uh, local politicians in their corner mm. and they were there was a lot of corruption and there was a there was a uh, radio personality in the 20s who was speaking out against that and he was speaking out against the mob and the politicians that they owned and they came into a hotel and shot him like just like something you know like Jeez. More than one guy. It was like something off The Godfather or something. Yeah. Excuse me. It was just wow. bursting in and Jeez. blowing them away in the in the in, in the lobby or, you uh-huh. know, of a hotel. Uh, so yeah, they would do higher profile. But then after uh, Prohibition, and after the Purple Gang finally kind of fell apart, and these new guys came on, they were much more low key. And they okay. didn't call themselves anything flashy like the Purple Gang. I think it was, I can't remember exactly what the name was, but I have it. I should have brought in a copy of my new book to refer to it. But but it was something like the like Detroit Incorporated or something. It just okay. sounded like, and I don't know if that was the name, but, but, it, but the, it just sounded corporate. Yeah. Because they wanted to, they were still, had their fingers in bad stuff and would get rid of, I'm sure they would rub people out. But nothing quite so public as as going into a hotel lobby and and and, and you know blowing away a local radio personality. And yeah, like that. So, wow. Uh, so so yeah, they kind of they 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 were they they got. I guess their PR. I know I know that the uh, the the Purple Gang back in the twenties. I think probably found it good PR to do these profile crimes because if you want to do a to create a certain kind of image <laughs> mm. but then but then in the 30s they the 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 um the prevailing mobsters uh I think had a different vision of what good PR was <laughs> <laughs> not just that yeah yeah changed their tune a little bit yeah <laughs> well Tom um thank you so much uh, we're, we're right at, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, this is fascinating. Well, thank you. I, I, I've enjoyed it and yeah. I appreciate you uh, asking me to 
come speak with you. So absolutely, no, thank you for doing this. Um, and your book is very fascinating. And thank you. I mean, lots of history too in here that I had no idea about. Um, I like that you include that too. Those little bits. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. The fur trade, oh, as yeah, an example, yeah. uh, with the French coming to Detroit uh-huh. and um, sending furs back to King Louis. Uh, yeah. That I think that's really cool that you include those things in the book too. Um, really quick. Well, actually, if you want to know more about uh, both uh, uh, some of the dark spots on the history of both, like uh, Antoine de la Mothe Cadillac, the founder of Detroit, oh, right. Cadillac, yeah. and also Chief Pontiac, who had uh, you know rallied, it was a uh, rallied the uh, the um, several tribes to try to oppose primarily the British, who they really didn't get along with. Mm. And but anyway, there are you know so there are there are dark stories about both of those guys among many others henry ford uh mm. the, the the weird kellogg brothers uh, <laughs> all kinds of stuff, yeah i in one other thing um for people to find your books or to find more about you should they go to amazon or do you have a website social media page I have a website domain, <laughs> and I'm doing it with Squarespace, and i got to get off my keyser because I really kind of dread it because I don't really want to design a, but I know I'm just going to do something simple. Uh, oh, wait. No, 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 no. Yeah, and that when that is up and running, it will be called bloodonthemitten.com. Okay. Uh, that's what I have the domain name. However, uh, for right now, um, and uh, I do have a Facebook author page, and it's just called Tom Carr Author. Nice. So no space is just Tom Carr Author. If you go onto Facebook and look for that, you'll find it. Awesome. I'll include a link to that in the description of the episode. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Um, and best place for people to buy your books, Amazon or? Amazon or ask at your local bookstore in Michigan because uh, it's all over Michigan and even a little bit outside of Michigan, but oh, cool. um, primarily Michigan because it's Michigan-focused. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I like to promote local bookstores. So if you have one nearby and they, you know, go uh, ask if they have it and if they, they don't, you know, Ask them why not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, so so yeah. But Amazon, it is on there, and by all means, it, you know, uh, uh, order it from Amazon if uh, you know if that's the most convenient thing for you. I just do like to support mm-hmm. the local bookstores. Oh, hundred percent. Well, Tom, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much that's, for the pleasure is mine. Yeah, the, thank you for doing this. Um, really great book, by the way. And I look forward to reading your other books as well. Excellent. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. My name is Chris. This has been Cheetash. Take care, everybody.